There is no room for fear when God's love is in us. I think that is a great truth. There is no room for fear when God's love is in us. That's what we want to talk about today in this podcast. Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. It's hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. Chris, we're going to jump into this conversation, but why don't you introduce who is in the the podcast with us today? Love to do that. Amber Vaden is with us. Amber has served as content editor in Bible Studies for Life for a long time, and she is making a transition to become a team leader for one of our competitors <laughs> within Lifeway. So it's a good thing. Explore the Bible. She sees the new team leader for Explore the Bible. So congratulations, Amber. Thank you, Chris. And thank you for letting me be here for one more time to sit in the seat and talk about Bible studies for life, because that's, uh, that is a privilege. It's been a privilege. Well, we appreciate you agreeing to join us this one last time. Yes, you have served us well over the last, what, nine, 10 years. Amber, you and I have worked together. 10, wow. Yeah, and so you will serve the Explore the Bible team well also. They've needed help over there, so I'm (laughs) glad we can, one of our folks can go over and help them out. So the uh, writer of this session talks about um, loving Thanksgiving and that just that idea of being full to the point of I can't eat anything else. that is his connection to uh, not having any room, Lynn. <laughs> That's right. And it's, and it's good. It really is a great tie into our study because when you're, when you're that full after a Thanksgiving meal, you don't have room for anything else. And when we're letting our lives be consumed by the love of God, we don't have room for anything else. In other words, fear, as, which is what we were talking about all during this uh, six-week study. But we're going to be in 1 John 3 to talk about uh, our relationship with love, God's love. And I'm going to begin reading of verse 13. I'm going to read down to verse 18. And then Amber and Chris, I'm going to turn it back to you. John wrote these words. Do not be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers and sisters. The one who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates his brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And if anyone has material goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? So dear children, let us not love in word or speech, but in action and in truth. So, Lynn, I almost stopped you when you read verse verse 13. Don't be surprised if the world hates you. I have a feeling that there's probably a lot of people who are going to be listening to this and a lot of people sitting in uh, uh, churches who are doing this study who are going to that's going to be a shocking statement for them to read. What do you all think? Yeah, I think we are surprised, but I don't think we should be. Um, You know, I think it's it. And maybe it's because 10, 20 years ago, the same um, action or comment would not have elicited uh, uh, that kind of response from someone. So I feel like some of it is we're comparing comparing today's society to that of a while back when perhaps some things just didn't get didn't get the reaction that they get today. So Robert, um, I just there's a 
an image that comes to my mind um, about this. I, I was um, in a, a school and college in uh, the uh, Pittsburgh area um, early um, in my Christian walk. And as I was like second year of college and um, I had, I had moved away from uh, my home Louisville to Pittsburgh. And uh, I was in a, I was in a class. It was actually a basketball class. That seems like a pretty good place to be. And uh, <laughs> we were playing basketball and I, I had interacted with this guy a little bit and uh, seemed cordial until he found out that I was a youth pastor and his mm-hmm. countenance changed his, the way he viewed me and looked at me and treated me from that time forward, vastly different. And the only difference was, oh, you're, you, you're a minister, you're in church. You're, and it was obvious to me yeah. that that's how he felt immediately. And it's, it did surprise me. Well, there is that connection with the idea that uh, men shall be lovers of darkness rather than light. And here is, we talk about the light of Christ uh, and how light exposes darkness. Uh, Paul does that in Ephesians. And Nick Person, who wrote the personal study guide uh, text, he, even, he makes a reference to how cockroaches will scatter when the lights <laughs> come on. I, I wrote that line down like cockroaches that scatter when the light is turned on. I, I thought, you know, this, this isn't my mom's uh, Bible study. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, <laughs> but I think, I think that's a good analogy because why does the world hate believers? It's because even when we live our lives, like we ought to just live for Christ, we're shining a light and, by contrast, they don't look so good. I mean, it's exposing their sin, their their worldview, their uh, the things they're lacking. And so they just negatively, instead of embracing coming to the truth where we are, to the, coming to the light, they, they push against it. Uh, I think that's just part, a little bit of our human nature that you're different than me, and so therefore I don't like you. Uh, I'm, I'm concerned personally that it isn't apparent or it doesn't happen often enough enough that believers walk into situations and is apparent that there's something different about us that we are light in a dark world Uh, i think it says a lot about uh, the cultural aspect of uh of christianity in a lot of places that we're nobody nobody sees the difference yeah and that may be why you know verse 18 was pinned <laughs> for for us to see uh, little children let us not love in word or speech but in action and in truth I think we're meant uh, to be visibly um, visibly different visibly uh, representatives of the Lord and of how he has called us to live so but I think you're right yeah John John here uh, calls us out um, regarding how we love each other and show how this, how we display love as a normal part of our lives. And uh, I love the passage where he says, you know, if, if you have stuff, if you, if you have what you need and you see someone who's in need and you don't do anything about it, you don't have any compassion for that person who's in need. How, how is the, how is it that the love of God is in you? It's, it, uh, it's a lot like the James two passage where James says, you know, 
uh, if we see somebody in need and tell them, God bless you, hope everything goes well, be filled, <laughs> and don't do anything to help them, um, uh, those those passages are definitely parallel. Well, it, what John's getting here is this idea that it's because of the love of Christ, we should be able to express that love and or not just express it, but show that love to other people. And I, I think about people that get up and they give a testimony of how Christ has changed their life, uh, uh, giving a testimony that God loves them. Yet I see how they are outside of making that public statement, animosity they feel toward other believers, uh, even even church leaders against church leaders. We proclaim we we claim to be these spokesmen for God, yet we have this animosity toward each other, and that, that bothers me because in light of what he's saying here is. You know, and by your actions, how can the love of God be in you if it's not seen in the way you treat other people? Wow. That, again, image just come through my mind. I, I remember as a young minister being at a, uh, a Southern Baptist convention pre-meeting and watched how uh, leaders uh, in, in, a, in a committee, uh, how they reacted and responded, treated somebody that they were against that didn't, that weren't doing things the way they thought they should be done. And uh, I, I just, I couldn't believe how offended I was at the words and the tones that were being used in a setting that you would have expected. These are, these are ministers and they will be kind of compassionate and loving. And there was, uh, there wasn't a lot of that in that, in that particular meeting. So uh, I, I I know what happens other places too, but uh, that's shocking. But Chris, the news media watches for those big public events like our conventions. Uh, local communities watch churches that, that within a church that bickers and fights among themselves. You know, they, there's a kind of a, a, a little bit of, I don't want to say glee, that's too strong of a word, but it's like they watch us as, hey, they're really not different than the rest of us. They talk, they talk a good talk, but it doesn't show in their actions. And we, we come off giving a very poor witness of who Christ truly is. And if he's changed my life, that ought to be obvious. And the fact that his love just exudes out of me, not just in my words, but in my actions. I see what you're saying, Lynn. And I think that's on us. I, I think as believers, we're the ones who our lives should be easily and genuinely reflecting the Lord. And so if it is not, that is, that is, uh, that is on us. We are not surrendering to him and allowing him to work in and through us. If, if what, if what they see when, when they see us is, um, unchristlike actions and behavior and words, then, uh, Scripture has lots of things to say about that. <laughs> oh, sure. And it's, it's kind of ludicrous, but to think, you know, you go into a, a, vitamin shop or someplace that sells weight loss programs and there's a person behind the counter that weighs 450 pounds and saying you need to get in this program because let me tell you it changed my life and you look at the person you go i don't see much dieting going on here <laughs> I, I don't mean that to be offensive but that's i think how the church sees us you talk one way but you sure don't look it and but we're talking here about love that we can know and experience love because of Christ, because of what he has done for us. Let me take us to chapter four. We're still in first John, but let's go to chapter four. Cause what I want to see here is that, that God's love is in us because he remains in us. 
John wrote these words, verse 14, and we have seen and we testify that the Father has sent his Son as the world's Savior. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. So, Lynn, I want to uh, kudos to you for choosing this passage the week before Christmas. Uh, <laughs> really clear. Listen, this is what it's about. God sent his son into the world to be the savior of the world. And uh, I, my experience is the week before Christmas is usually a really good week. A lot of people show up It's before they're going away for the holidays. And so this is uh, just one of the, the finest choices of not your typical Christmas message, but it's spot on for the date. So in going back to the passage that Lynn just uh, shared, First uh, John 4, 14 through 16, there is one, uh, one sentence that the PSG author wrote that I have just underlined because I think it is, um, it's powerful and it's a good reminder because as just a little bit ago, I said, okay, it's on us. Like our, our behavior should be reflecting Christ. And if it's not, uh, that's on us. Um, but the good news in chapter four is that's that's not something we um, put in effort to be like Christ. It's it's more he he does it in us. So the sentence that I underlined and and circled and highlighted, uh, it says this as God takes up residence in our lives, so does his love. Uh, they are inseparable. And so it's not that we have to, um, you know, work to attain. I'm going to, I'm going to say these nice things today, or I'm going to do these things for other people. I'm going to display them. It's more of letting him work in and through us, uh, just in whatever daily encounters we're going to come to. Um, so his love is in us and, and it's really the, the impetus behind what, uh, our, our lives should be reflecting. That is really good. Um, uh, going along with that, uh, I noted this statement, the Christian faith um, um, has a measuring stick, the love of God. And it is, it should be the foundation that we build our lives on. So kind of going along with that, but I love that you've, that you made that connection that listen, he, his love abides in us. So it should just, it should just flow out of us. That's, a, that's a, um, a great statement. Chris, um, last week, um, I and my family, my sons, we all went, thanks to Amber, we went and made candles. Uh, Amber had told us about this place (laughs) in our town that uh, where you can make your own candles. And so you pick the aromas, the, uh, the scents and they, and, um, you mix it all how you want it. And then they, they take the candle. So I got the candle last week and I'm, it's kind of, it's still curing, but I think about those candles. Uh, yeah, I'm a guy, but I like to burn candles uh, while I write. Um, when the aroma comes out, because it's the aroma is embedded in that candle. Uh, I mean, it's 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 it, be, it has become a part of that candle. It wasn't originally. And Paul talked about that idea of the aroma of Christ coming out of us, uh, just as this candle, this wax, has now got all this scent embedded in it. When we come to Christ, his love is to be embedded in us so that just naturally that's the aroma people pick up from us is that aroma of Christ, the aroma of his love. 
Uh, in fact, Nick Person refer- references this idea of the aroma. Uh, Paul's writings in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 15 and 16, this idea that for in, to Christ, we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved, but among those who are perishing. But then to some, we are the aroma of death leading to death, but to others, an aroma of life leading to life. That love should exude out of us in that sense of like a pleasing aroma. So I heard somebody d- describe that passage this way, and I, I know we're a little off, off track here, but uh, that when uh, there would be a parade um, at, for a, a conquer, a, an army that had, had been successful and conquered its foe, that they would th- throw flowers on the roads and the, the horses and the soldiers would walk on it and, st- and stomp on those flowers. And this aroma uh, was apparent to everyone because they're off all of these roses and all these people doing it. And so for some, it, an aroma of celebration of life, but for some, it was the aroma of death. So it was just interesting to, to hear that. Lynn, you looked like maybe you'd heard that too. Yes, I, I've heard that too. It's a, it's a, it's a, I think that's exactly what Paul was referring to is depending on your vantage point, that scent, that aroma of Christ is a good thing, or you realize you're, you're lost without him. So I can't help but think that the place oftentimes where I smell that fragrant aroma of flowers is often in a funeral home. And, and so it's, it has that idea of, you know, that, it's one thing at a romantic dinner. It's another thing at a funeral home, but it's, it's the same smell. Life or death, same smell. So that's interesting. Let's move on to verses uh, 17 and 18, because we're going to see here, this is the heart of our study. Uh, what we're leading up to is that because what God's love is in us, that love is to give us confidence and to dispel our fear. John wrote in verse 17, in this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. So that's probably one of the more well-known verses in First John. God is love would be one, but this is another one. Perfect love cast out or drives out fear. Uh, it just seems like an obvious example to me. The more love, the more you are in the love of Christ, the less room there is for fear in your life. And that doesn't mean fear still won't periodically creep into my life or something cause me to be afraid for a moment. But because I've, I'm hopefully dwelling and remaining in God and his love, that that fear will not should not take hold so the y'all already talked about the psg writer and then i quoted him a minute ago but he had a great illustration for this verse uh he talks about walking through um he said i would normally think twice about walking through a sketchy part of town uh but that would be totally different if I had a huge muscular and well-trained friend walking beside me. <laughs> he says, my concerns and fears would disappear. Um, and in the same way, if I have yielded the throne of my life to Jesus, I choose to follow him, live as he lived and love as he loved. I have nothing to fear. So I thought that was a great visual of um, walking down, you know, like a, a, a dark street at night that looks maybe a little bit unsafe, but being perfectly um, unworried if you had some uh, giant person next to you that could 
uh, take care of any problems uh, in, in the same way. Yeah. Uh, and that's funny that Nick said that because if I was the one walking down that dark alley, Nick is the big muscular guy. I would walk yeah, walking does. with me. <laughs> I think there's some good discussion that can happen in our groups around this passage. Uh, one of the questions we have in our books is, you know, how does God's love help us overcome fear? And where I think the discussion can come in is we can talk about abstract things like I have. Well, the more love you have, the less fear, less room you have for fear. But to hear stories, people talking about a moment in their life where the presence of God's love, they could talk about a tangible thing that God dealt with in their life, uh, how, how they how they faced up to a fear because of God's love. Yeah, I think this is a great opportunity too for if, if you're in a, a group setting. Um, if you have time to give uh, someone an opportunity to share maybe uh, their own brief testimony of maybe how uh, they have faced something that would have normally um, caused a significant amount of fear, but but we're able to really face it with confidence and uh, and just a resolute faith in the Lord, like to have someone share uh a situation like that, that would be, this would be a great opportunity right here. And let me remind you uh, whether this happens during your group time or just you personally take some time to consider ways you can live this out. There's some directions given some, uh, some directives given in the, in the books uh, that I think are very helpful. You may think of some others, some other practical ways to live this out. But one of these is the idea to identify someone that you find hard to love. And do something intentionally that reflects how God has loved you. Uh, just to show that love to someone else, especially to someone that's hard for you to love. Great ideas for the application ideas. Well, listen, I want to thank you guys for the conversation today and thank those of you who are listening to us. We appreciate you and are grateful for you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Hope that it's been helpful to you. Amber, thank you again for being yes. a part of this podcast and for all of the things you have done for uh, Bible Studies for Life over the past 10 years. Well, thank you. It's uh, It has been a privilege and I uh, could, not, could not ask for better uh, friends to work alongside that is um, without a doubt uh, has become very obvious to me. Yeah. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us for this podcast. And I hope that you have a really good Bible study with your group this week. 